Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Well, hello everybody. Welcome back to your tour through the Gospel of Luke. Today is Luke chapter 5. Before we get started, I want to say thank you so much to everybody for joining in, for listening to this, for talking about it, for sharing it, and also for your feedback. I really want to make this something that is successful. And I have this idea. I've been waiting for a while to do something like this. And it was, I wanted to get everything perfect. And I'm very much a systems guy and a next steps guy. I'm very clean, clear lines kind of person. So in my mind, it was, I need to get it perfect before I can ever send it out. Only to eventually realize ain't never going to be perfect. So the idea of just kind of putting it out there and us growing into this together for however long it lasts, maybe through the end of Luke, maybe further, who knows? I love doing this with all of you. So please continue to send me your ideas on how I can make it better, more effective, what keeps you coming back to reading the Bible with me. And I just, I love it. So let's get into this. Luke chapter five. If you got your Bibles, we're reading out of the NLT version. And I have this mental picture of you and I sitting at a coffee table, sharing a cup of coffee, And just talking about God's Word, just enjoying God's Word as He teaches us and He speaks to us. And it's amazing. And don't forget our author, Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit, was a doctor by trade. So you're going to hear so much of what Luke talks about, a lot of these healings. And we're going to see that today, how Jesus heals a man with leprosy. That was a death sentence back then. So Jesus literally heals someone who had a death diagnosis on them. He also is going to heal a paralyzed man. And it's just going to be these great things that Luke is going to make sure to include because God didn't disqualify all the training and everything, but he actually used all of that as he was inspiring Luke to write this. But remember, Luke's number one goal is he was commissioned by a guy named Theopolis to investigate the claims about Jesus, the things he had heard from Peter and Paul and all the other people that had come to Rome to talk about this Jesus. And Luke has been sent as an investigative journalist to confirm the things he had heard. And so I've got this mental picture because you know, the Gospel of Mark was a collection of sermons from the Apostle Peter. That's, that's where the Gospel of Mark comes from. And so I wonder if Theopolis has been hearing these sermons from Mark and he's like, hey, Luke, can you go confirm this? I really want to believe it. Go confirm it for me. So that's what he's doing is he is confirming and investigating the claims about Jesus and writing back to Theopolis, man, everything is true and now I have the receipts to prove it. And so as he is doing this, as he said in chapter one, he investigated the claims. He talked to the people. I always wonder who is he talking to when he wrote this section? We're going to see that this is in two different places where Jesus is going to call a couple of the disciples. Then he's going to heal a man with leprosy. Then he's going to heal a paralyzed man. Then he's going to call Matthew, the guy who would later write the gospel of Matthew. And then he's going to discuss with some different people why his disciples are different from John the Baptist. And I wonder if maybe he was talking to Peter and Peter was like, man, let me tell you how I found Jesus. Let me tell you about what happened. And then right after that, Jesus done healed a fool of leprosy. I mean, it's just amazing to wonder where he was sitting. I wonder if Luke was talking to the guy who had had leprosy. And he was like, hey, I saw Jesus talking to Simon and Andrew, and so I just took a chance and went over there. So as as we're reading this, imagine Luke hearing these stories and writing them down as the Holy Spirit is inspiring it. So here we go. Chapter 5, verse 1. 
The Bible says, One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. As he sat in the boat, he taught the crowds from there. Pause. Now, the reason why Jesus would have done this is because, remember, this is thousands of years before you know, audio systems and amplification. So a natural amplifier is water because the sound waves will bounce off of the water and it will go onto the shore and it creates an echo, but you can hear it more clearly. And so Jesus got into the boat so that his voice would carry even more. Okay, let's pick back up. Verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now, go out to where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this, and that, and this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout to help brought their partners to the boat, and soon the boats were filled with fish and they were on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that he had caught, as were the others with him. His partners James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now, one of the things that's amazing about this is that during uh, where this was, also in first century uh, Palestine, but also on the Sea of Galilee, very hot climate. And so most of the time, what would happen is that the fish would go down to the bottom of the lake where it was cooler during this part of the day. That's why many fishermen fished at night, because when it was cooler, the fish would come up to the surface and these fish would, would be close enough to where you could cast out a net and catch the fish, but not during the, during the day like this. It would have only been down to the bottom. So it wasn't just a miracle that they caught a lot of fish. It was a complete miracle because it was unheard of to catch this many fish during the day because of the climate. And so when Peter sees this, he's a professional fisherman. He knows what an amazing miracle this is. Immediately, he's like, something crazy about this dude. <laughs> this, this guy, this guy's something. This guy's something right here. And that's when Jesus is like, don't you worry, my friend. I'm about to take the skills you have and teach you how to apply them to people. All right, let's keep going. Verse 12. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. You can hear you know, Dr. Luke, you know, talking about this, an advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can make, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus instructed him not to tell anyone what had happened. He said, go, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the required offering in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Cleansed. Despite Jesus' instructions and the, the report of his power spread even farther, even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. So what you see is, is not only is he healing people, but he's also telling them, go through the process of cleansing. As we just got through re reading in the book of Leviticus, the book of Leviticus, it, it wasn't saying, hey, you're in trouble now, go do this. It was part of the celebration to let the priest know, hey, I'm clean now. It was, it was intended to be part of the act of worship because you had to go back to the priest, go back to the temple 
to celebrate that you have been healed. So Jesus wasn't telling this guy, hey, go get lost now. He was saying, hey, go celebrate what is done and do it in the right way. All right, let's continue to go. Verse 17, on the day when Jesus was teaching, on a day, one day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some of the men carrying a paralyzed man, some men were carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man, there's Jesus' favorite phrase for himself in the, in the Gospel of Luke, the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, take up your bed, and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home, praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. All right, pause. Imagine this guy. He thinks that he is paralyzed. He can't get to Jesus. And he has some friends that say, you know what? You can't make it to Jesus, but we can. And then they get to where Jesus is. He's in someone's home and they can't even get in because it's so crowded. How many people, how many of us would say, well, man, we tried. We're going to just have to you know, figure something else out. But they were not going to be deterred. So they actually tore up this poor person's house. You know that person whose house like this was, was like, man, Jesus, I'm so glad you're here. I, I hear something on the roof. What's, what's going on? What, what's happening? Oh, they are, Jesus, <laughs> they're tearing up my roof. You can heal bodies. Can, can, you, hear, can you heal a roof? <laughs> and, and they let, let this guy down, and it was just this amazing moment. You know, and you imagine the embarrassment of this guy. He's being let down. And so there's a moment when he is suspended between heaven and earth. He's right there. But Jesus is not embarrassed by this guy. I just have this mental picture. The Bible doesn't say this, okay? This is, this is not Bible. This is, this is Pastor Brandon. I wonder if Jesus helped him. I wonder if why he's suspended between heaven and earth. He's there, embarrassed. The guys, you know, they're trying to get him down there, but it's a struggle. And I wonder if Jesus at one point catches this guy and he holds him in his arms and he, he helps him get all the way to the ground. And he says, I know what the number one problem is in your life. There's something from your past. There's a sin there and I forgive you. Jesus doesn't want to just heal us of the things everybody else can see. He wants, us to, he wants to heal us of the things that nobody can see. And I love that about Jesus. All right, let's keep going. Verse 27, the Bible says, Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting, next, or sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with him. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? By the way, rude. <laughs> but Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners and need to repent. It's one of those interesting things about Jesus. Jesus never shied away 
from the good news. And here's the thing. You can't have good news unless you also know there's bad news. So Jesus had no problem looking at this tax collector who later became Matthew that we know of. That was a Greek name. His, his, his Jewish name was Levi. And he's like, hey, dude, you're a sinner, but I love you. So change that. Repent of your sins. Follow me. The good news is you don't have to stay that way. And that's one of the things I think we've lost in our modern churches. We talk so much about the grace of God that we forget that people don't know they need it unless they know they're in sin. And it's difficult because there's a previous generation that all they talked about was sin. So there's definitely a need for balance. And I think the one thing that really helped create that balance for Jesus is that I think no one ever doubted whether or not he loved them. Like, I'm going to tell you the truth, but you're, you're going to know that I love you as well. And so there's that, that crazy balance that he struck. And I love it about Jesus. All right, let's finish this up. Jesus is going to talk about everybody's favorite topic, fasting. All right. One day, some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples pray and fast regularly, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why do your disciples, why are they always eating and drinking? Jesus responded, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. And then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For the new garment will be ruined and the new patch won't even match the old garment. No one puts, a new, puts new wine into an old wineskin. For the new wineskin will burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But no one who drinks old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. Now, I will be honest with you as we finish this. I have never understood that scripture really well until I studied it. Like the wine, the wineskins. We don't put wine in wineskins anymore. We put wine in bottles. Okay, so here's, here's this, and we'll finish this up. Back then, what you would do is when you would press the grapes and you would want to preserve the wine. The reason why the, why the wine was fermented is because it lasted longer that way. And so what they would do is, is they would have these animal hides. I know this is gross, right? But it is what it is. These animal hides, they would take them and they would clean them best they could. And then they would pour the wine into these animal hides, these wine skins. That's why they call them that. And then as the wine would ferment, ferment, like <laughs> saying like that, it would expand. It would, it's just the way it worked. It would expand. And as it would expand, because the wine skin, the animal hide was new, it would also expand with the wine. And that's how the, the new wine and the new hide would work together. The problem is, is that once that new hide had expanded and it became you know, old now, it would harden. And so what you would have is you would have this wineskin. This is the way it is. And so if you then put new wine in this old one, it couldn't expand anymore. And so it would just explode and then everything would be ruined. And that's what Jesus is saying is, is you're trying to see the kingdom of God through your old tradition. And what I'm doing is not going to fit in your old tradition. I'm going back to the new thing, you know, when it was once brand new. And that is all the way back to Mount Sinai, Exodus chapter 19. I'm trying to teach you what was always supposed to be true. So I need you to get rid of your paradigms, to get rid of your old traditions, because I'm doing a new thing. And it's not going to fit within your old mindset. That's what Jesus was trying to say. All right, let's finish this up today. The overall takeaway is, man, Jesus was a lot of fun to be around. <laughs> I mean, everywhere he's going. He is, he is teaching people how to fish who grew up fishing. A guy who's got a death sentence of leprosy, he's like, no, 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 you're healed of all that. Somebody tears up a house to get to Jesus, and I just, I, I wish we knew how that was fixed. Like, I want to believe that, like, Mary Poppins, he, like, twi 
you know, twitched his nose and everything was fine. But that's not how that worked. God didn't use miracles to impress anybody. He used miracles to show who he was. And so likely he probably said, hey, guys, thanks so much for healing Joe over here. Put the roof back if you don't mind. Yes, Jesus. You know, they kind of take care of all of that. And then Jesus goes to Matthew's house and and they have a party. It's awesome. And then Jesus is starting this process. We're going to see this over and over again. He's constantly having to fuss with the religious leaders because they're just struggling. They're struggling to grapple with what they've always thought. But what we always think doesn't matter. We always have to submit our attitudes and our thoughts to the Lordship of Jesus. And that's what they're having to figure out. I want to ask you this question. Jesus called the disciples where they were. What is he calling you to do? Is he calling you to maybe step out of your situation like he did Matthew? Matthew had to change everything. He's no longer a tax collector. Now he's a Christ follower. Or is he in a situation like Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, and he's saying, I want to take what you already know, and I want to make it life-giving. Like he said, I want to teach you how to fish for people. So this idea of, of going out and doing that, I want to take those skills and teach you how to make it life-giving. What is God speaking to you to do right now in your season of life? Is he teaching you to follow him into a new arena? Or is he teaching you to go back into the same arena you're in, only make everything you do life-giving? I don't know. Something to think about. I've so enjoyed this. I cannot wait to share with you all the other adventures. Jesus is going to continue healing people. He's actually going to call the 12 apostles. I'll give you a little bit of background about each one of them. I think that'd be kind of fun. And all that's going to happen tomorrow. And I'll see you tomorrow for Luke chapter 6.